0: If you've ever partaken in any kind of athletic endeavor, if you've watched the highest level of athletics, whatever sport you like on TV, maybe it's the Olympics or the Super Bowl or something else, or if you also think about the highest level of really anything, you can think about something like the Navy Seals or the Special Forces, you know that there is this paradox that exist in the training for those excellent high-level things. The paradox is that for the high-level winning of the competition or for the excellence of the tactics of the Navy SEALs or whatever it is to exist and for it to actually be accomplishable and even easy When the day of the competition or the day of the mission comes, it must start at the beginning with an extreme hardship. That to be an Olympic athlete, to be a gold medalist, you have to start with the hardest kind of training at the beginning and excel in the hardest kind of training at the gym week in and week out. To have a successful mission for the high-level Navy SEAL tactics, you have to go through the hardest kind of boot camp to begin with. And then, starting with the hardest, then the things later on, the actual competition, the actual mission, those things become easy because they are what you train for. There's a little bit of a paradox there that For things to be easy later on, they have to start hard and the opposite is true too. That you could forego all of the hardship of the training. You could forego all of the difficulty and obstacles of preparing for something to be easy later on and just have it be easy right away. You could take the easy way out and just kind of sit around the gym walk around the gym and not really lift any of the heavy weights or you could go to the boot camp but you could sleep in and you'd probably get kicked out but you could kind of just go there and be there but not train and that would be easy for a time it would be the easy way out you wouldn't really have to do anything you could sleep in but then what would happen later on When the mission came or when the competition came it would be extremely difficult and hard and you would end up not having any of the rewards any of the ease which the people who had trained hard had so there's this paradox that to feel the best you have to feel the worst to start with and to feel the worst You might feel the best to start with. The same is true for the Christian life. Jesus is clear in Matthew chapter 7 enter by the narrow gate, for the gate that is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. The wide gate, the easy gate, it leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many, but the gate is narrow that leads to life, and the way is hard, and those who find it are few. The narrow gate is harder, but it leads to abundant and an amazing life. The way is easy, the gate is wide, easy to get into, doesn't take much work, but it leads ultimately to destruction. And Solomon pictures this idea of the two ways or the two paths in Proverbs chapter 4 today. The path of righteousness, as he calls it, and the path of wickedness. Jesus calls it the narrow gate and the wide gate. Righteousness, wickedness, it's the same idea. And so what we want to do today is look at these two paths First, how you enter by them. And then second, what happens when you're on them? And that's, I think, where it's most surprising, what happens on the path when you're on them. First of all, the path of righteousness. How do you enter into it? How do you enter into the path of righteousness? What is interesting about Proverbs chapter 4 is that Solomon actually doesn't answer this question. He just assumes that the path of righteousness is there for you. Verse 11, I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in paths of uprightness. I think it is true for the most part for all of you here today that you have heard of the way of wisdom. For most people here, For a lot of you, in a lot of ways, you have already heard, seen, experienced, been taught, been led on the way of wisdom. Proverbs is a book of a father writing to his son. And when a father raises a son in a faith, when parents raise their children in the faith, it is just a natural way of how they are as Christians. To raise your child in the fear and admonition of the Lord. It is the natural way of doing things. And so by the time Solomon is giving advice to his son, he says, I have already led you in the way of wisdom. I have taught you the way to be. And I think most of you here today, maybe not all of you, but most of you here today, you know how to be a Christian. How to be on the path of righteousness, how to be through the narrow gate. You can think about, as I was thinking about this, just running through Luther's small catechism, which is kind of our outline of the Christian faith that we teach people when they come into the faith, and what you know about those things. You got the Ten Commandments to start with, that's the law. What is a sin? What's not a sin? I think most of you know you shouldn't steal from your neighbor. Most of you know you should make time, remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy, to come to the house of the Lord and to worship him. You know that it's not good when you covet after the things that your neighbor has, whether that's his house or whether that's his money or whether that's some new possession that he has or whatever car he has or his situation in life. You know things like it's not good to wish evil. That's the fifth commandment. You shall not murder to wish harm against your neighbor. You know these kinds of things. You know what sin is and what sin isn't. You know the creed that Jesus came to die on the cross for your sins, that God created the world, that Jesus rose again to give you new life. Got those things a little out of order when I was talking about them, but it's okay because you already know those things. You know that the Spirit sanctifies you and sanctifies the church and that you are called to believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in that way. You know the Lord's Prayer and that you are called to prayer, a life of prayer, to your Father as a Christian. You know that you are baptized, the child of God, called to a life of daily repentance, drowning the old Adam, being raised again to live a new life in him. You know that you are to confess your sins and to receive absolution from the pastor for your sins. You know the Lord's Supper, that it is given for you to strengthen your faith, to forgive your sins, that it's the true body and blood of the Lord. Daily prayers, that's the next part in the catechism. You know you should do daily devotions. Table of duties, the vocations you have, such as father or mother or church member, and what all that entails. With things like stewardship. You can run through the small catechism and you can think about how you know the way of wisdom. Do you do it perfectly all the time? That's a different question. Of course not. None of us do. But you know what you have been taught. You know the way of wisdom. And if there's anyone here who has questions about any of those things, of course, please come talk to me. I would love to. To discuss these things with you if any of those things seem unfamiliar or forgotten to you but for the most part a lot of you here know a lot of those things you have been taught the way of wisdom whether it's by your father and mother raising you in the faith whether it's by a past pastor or whether it was by me your pastor today a lot of you know a lot of those things and Solomon's advice For his son, who knows the way of wisdom, is this. Hold on. Hold on. Verse 13. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Jesus often says in the Gospels, abide with me. In John's Gospel, this is one of his favorite words, remain. Abide. Stay with me. Simply stay where you are. That's some of the best advice I can give you as a Christian who knows the way of wisdom, and especially as a Christian today who is in the house of God, hearing these words again for your edification, stay here. Be here. Be where Jesus is. Keep hold of these things which you have been given. Do not go off into another direction, into the way of the world or into the way of the wicked, which we'll talk about in a second. Just stay where you are. You can think about the gospel reading today, Luke 17. What is the one leper who is healed who is commended, what does he do that causes Jesus to commend him? He stays with Jesus. He doesn't leave. He recognizes where the wisdom is. He recognizes where the true temple is, and he stays with his Lord. He doesn't go off. And so stay where you are. Take these things... Which you know to be the way of the Christian life, the law, the creed, the prayer, the baptism, the Lord's Supper, the vocations. Take these things and hold on to them, for they are your life. And when you do that, when you walk on that path of the righteous, that Solomon is describing to his son, when you keep hold of it and you stay on that path, it is amazing what happens. It is true that to get into the path, the way is narrow. It is true that even on the path, you will find sufferings and obstacles in your way. The way of the cross is difficult. Do not be deceived, do not be surprised when the fiery trial comes upon you. The way of the cross is difficult, but it is amazing also the reward and the richness and the beauty and the goodness of this way that will come. When Solomon describes the way, he doesn't deny that it can be difficult, but he describes it in a way which is beautiful, and a way that is actually, in a sense, with ease. You can think again of that athlete who trains hard, and there is difficulty in the training, but then when the competition comes, it is actually relatively easy because it's not really any different than what he's been doing in training. The first way that Solomon describes this is he says, when you walk on this path, your step will not be hampered, and if you run, you will not stumble. It is true that as you walk on this path, as you're hiking up this path, there will be rocks there, there will be hills there, there will be valleys there, and it will be difficult. You will come across things in your life that are sufferings for you. There might be family strife. You might share a different worldview with a family member and that causes strife between you and your family. There might be problems at your job. Maybe you're mandated to go to a mandatory sensitivity training at your job and it goes against your worldview as a Christian. Maybe there's money problems. Maybe there's not enough to pay the bills one month. Maybe there's persecution that's coming at you, whether that's soft persecution or hard persecution. And I think there is some coming. I just saw a special on NBC talking about a Christian church. And it was, I haven't watched mainstream news media in a long time, but I was kind of surprised, although not really but surprised at the disdain with which the news commentators, which were probably pretty normal people 20 years ago, the disdain with which they talked about the Christian church for simply actually believing like Christians, for believing what they considered to be antiquated beliefs from the Bible. So maybe there's persecution coming. Maybe it's not persecution or family strife. Maybe it's chronic illness. Maybe your body doesn't work like it used to. Maybe you have kids who don't come to church anymore like you wish they would. There are so many rocks, so many valleys, so many hills in the way on this path that you must get around, go through, go under, or go over. But Solomon promises this with each and every one of those rocks, each and every one of those potholes. You will not stumble. He will keep you upright. You might think you're gonna fall. You might think you're gonna trip, but you will not stumble. Your way will not be hampered. You will run as if you are on the wings of an eagle. It's like what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, we are hard pressed on every side. It seems sometimes even as we're going on the path of righteousness like the walls are closing in on us, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed. We don't know why God has put this rock in our way, but we are not in despair because we know he put it there for our good. We might be persecuted, but we are not forsaken. He will keep us strong and give us the words to say. We might be struck down, but we are not destroyed. Because on this path, we carry with ourselves, we carry in our hiking backpacks, if you will, the victory of Jesus Christ. He has done it for us, The way of the cross is difficult, but he has already gone before us and made the way clear. And so we can even rejoice in these sufferings. When you see the rock ahead, when you see the pothole ahead, you can rejoice because you know that getting around it or over it, however that's going to happen through prayer and his word, it will produce for you endurance. And that endurance will produce more character and that character will produce hope of the life to come and that hope of the life to come will not put you to shame because it will come it is a sure and certain promise and that leads me to the next way that solomon describes this path of righteousness verse 18 the path of righteous is like the light of dawn which shines brighter and brighter until full day so even while we are on this path Even while we are hiking and there are the rocks in the way, every day does get a little easier in this way, in that every day we are closer and closer to the day of God's imminent glory, the day of Jesus' return, the day when we will be with our Lord Jesus Christ. And it shines brighter and brighter every day. This is... Back to the athlete, the competition being with ease as the more and more you train, the easier and easier the task gets. The more and more you are on the path of righteousness and that endurance is being built up, the more and more it is like when the sun comes out every morning and it is shining brighter and brighter with the glory of God that is to be revealed most brightly on the last day. You are getting a more and more closer and closer glimpse every single day of the glory that is to come. It is getting closer and closer. Glimpses of God's grace, glimpses of God's mercy, glimpses of his peace every day for you to keep you strong until that final day comes. What a glorious gift this is. That to be on the path of righteousness, we have abundant and regular and increasing mercy and grace and peace. And the path of the wicked, it is the opposite. While the path of the righteous starts out difficult and gets easier and easier, the more you're on it, the path of the wicked starts easy and ends up in destruction. And how you enter it is the exact opposite of how you enter the way of the righteous. The way of the righteous is to learn the way of wisdom and to stay there. The way of the wicked, it is to go off in another direction. It is to reject what you have been taught and to go off in a tempting and easy direction. You can think of it like this. If the hike of the path of righteousness that you're on the narrow path with all the rocks and valleys like we talked about, is a path that is next to a river, then that river looks really nice and it's rushing the other direction. And you think as you're hiking up the path of righteous, Man, it would be so easy to just jump in that cool water and to let the water carry me somewhere so that I don't have to keep hiking and going around all these rocks and up all these hills. It would be so refreshing to just jump in the river. Maybe it would be like a lazy river. And it would be so tempting to do so. But you would have to jump in. And that is why Solomon says, avoid it. It may look nice, it may look tempting, it may look refreshing, but it is not. Avoid it, do not go on it, do not jump in the water. Because when you jump in that water, the way of the wicked is not what you expected. It's not actually as nice as it sounds. Maybe you jump in and you find out all of a sudden it's not a lazy river, it's whitewater rapids. And there are rocks under the surface that you can't see and you're actually going towards a huge waterfall that's going to lead to your certain death and you can't get out and you're trying to swim desperately the opposite direction. But the way of the water is the way of the world. It is the way of the devil. It is the way of your own sinful flesh. And it is carrying you along faster than you can imagine. And so Solomon says that you stumble. Unlike the way of the righteous, which is shining brighter and brighter. It's the light at the end of the tunnel as you're hiking up the mountain. And you get to see the beautiful views as you get there. The way of the wicked is is going into the tunnel. Things are getting darker. He says in verse 19, the way of the wicked is like deep darkness, which and they do not know over what they stumble. So unlike the way of the righteous, when God keeps you upright, even though there are difficulties, when things are getting darker out, you can't help but to fall, stumble. You don't even know what's under the surface going on. It just gets dark and confusing. And so when those problems come, when those rocks come, when the strife hits in your family, or when the work or money problems come, or the persecution or the illness, you lose your footing. You can't stand up. You get angry and you don't know how to deal with it. And you try and find solutions with more sin. You try and try and get into a different part of the water. Maybe it'll be a little bit better. But you can't Help it. And the way of the wicked is especially perilous in this way, in that the more you're on it, the worse it gets. And you become actively evil. The way that Solomon describes those who end up on the way of wickedness is that they become actively angry and actively evil in this way. Verse 16, they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. On the way of the righteous, you know that you have God's grace and mercy and peace. And you have nothing to prove because you are justified by him alone. On the way of the wicked, you feel like you must pull others down with you to justify yourself. You know you're going the wrong way, and so you look for others to be going the wrong way with you so that you don't feel as bad about it, and so you want to make other people stumble too, so you're trying to reach up and pull people into the water with you, telling them it'll be okay when you know for a fact it's not. And then the daily bread and butter of your life... Becomes wickedness and violence. Solomon says. Verse 17. Then they eat the bread of wickedness. And they drink the wine of violence. On the path of righteousness. You eat the bread of Christ. And you drink the wine of Christ. You eat his body. And you drink his blood. And he is strength and life for you. On the way of the wicked. It is not so. Your bread and butter. The daily life that you live is only wickedness and violence. Paul says these things are evident in the immoral. The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and anything like this. You can see it down in the water. It's evident. You know the way that it goes. It's the daily bread and butter of the wicked life. And so you see there the two paths. The two paths before you. One starts off hard but becomes more and more glorious. One starts off easy and becomes more and more destructive. Dear saints, you know the path that I have led you in, Solomon says. And I'll leave you with this today, the advice he gives at the end of our reading today for his son to stay on the right path, and it is very simple. Hear these words. Verse 20, my son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Hear the words. Because, dear saints, so long as that river is rushing down there beside us in this life, so long as the world is going the opposite direction of the way of Christ so long as our sinful flesh wants to put us in that in those rapids so long as the devil wants to pull us in we must continue to hear the word even though we have heard it already and even though we know it we must keep on hearing it and be attentive to it so that we are reminded of the strength we have in Christ. And second, we must keep the word with all vigilance. Verse 23, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. So as you continue going to the gym, as you continue training yourself in these words, as you continue preparing for the race that is set before you, also guard those words. Keep the gains that you have in the gym. Don't let them go. Hold them fast. Hold them tight. Stay with Jesus like we already said. You can think about that word like James describes it being the implanted word in your heart. And when that word is implanted in your heart, you want that plant to have a very deep and a very broad root system so that it can't just be pulled out when the streams of the dangerous river come rushing over you. Let the word be deep. Hold it fast. And when that word is planted deep, and when it is cared for and nurtured by the continued training and the continued hearing of the word, then springs of life come forth. Springs of life from the word implanted in your heart, springs of life which keep you strong for all the rocks and hills and valley, streams of life which will one day, shining brighter and brighter every day, be the spring of eternal life which you will have with Christ forever on the day when he returns. To him be all the honor and glory now and forever. Amen.